on our debut episode of Gyan Central Unhinged, we talk about privacy, taking risks, and prioritization with serial entrepreneur Ashutosh Gupta. Having successfully founded a series of companies along with his co-founders on various domains like 3D printing, smart IoT, home appliances, app store optimizations, and many more, we talk to him about his journey so far, implications of data mining, and collecting shoes among other things. So sit back. Relax and enjoy this first episode of Gyan Central Unhinged. If you remember going back to our very first conversation, right, right uh, which we had over text, I wanted to ask you about what data you would be collecting from these things, from right. these switches, right? So I wanted to revisit that conversation because um, I feel like energy consumption, is like the one thing that has not been touched by uh, any sort of data mining as of yet, right? And while I was thinking about it, like a very interesting uh, notion struck me, right? So imagine we watch all of these futuristic shows, right? Where you have these holographic ads on windows and you know, you have them popping up everywhere. Um, imagine if I could track using, using, a tech, using some sort of technology where each person in the house is going, right? So for example, Ashutosh spends most of his time inside, let's say this room. And this room, we know that he has a laptop. Uh, let's say if you have an elderly gent- elderly person in the house, they spend most of their time in front of the television, right? So essentially you could hypothetically tailor make ads for each person and target only in that specific place. Because now you can, man- you can, you can, Uh, very granularly monitor where they go right so it's not just that I know where your phone is or I know which websites you visit it's also that hey you know Ashtar is spending most of his time in his room because his fan is always up right and that's that kind of got me thinking about the privacy aspect of it not just with your product but just in general like is this the next step into uh, data getting into our lives or is it that in the end, we won't care about privacy as much, right? Because I was watching this other podcast, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk. And uh, he talks about how maybe eventually people just won't care about privacy, right? Because like, if you think back and you think back into like the first phones or the first uh, digital screens or touch screens, right? Everyone's talking about how uh, we have stopped reading books and you know, we've stopped uh, spending time in front of each other with, or, or whatever, right? But like as as a, as a race, we have adapted to all of those things, right? Like my phone and my iPad and my, and my MacBook has become an extension to who I am, right? So it made me wonder if one, we would really, is that like, how do you tackle, how do you as, as a founder of a company that has such intimate data to their consumers, right? How do you think about it? Like, what's your point of view? And two, do you even think going forward privacy would be such a big issue as it is now, right? Because it's literally everywhere in my life. I can go on the app store and I can see what data the apps are are monitoring for me, right? I remember I downloaded this journaling app and uh, for them to not monitor my data, I had to pay for it. So it's like an opt-out policy. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that notion. Like, will privacy be as big a deal, let's say, 10 years down the line? Or 
will it be something that everyone will be more actively working towards sure thanks uh, again very precisely targeted question on privacy and i see that from our previous conversation i i, I got to understand that you are focused very much on the privacy and the data mining aspect yeah. of the products that are around us right now and especially when they are trying to get into our homes and most of already have yeah. like amazon alexa and google home right so the issues with these products in general is who you choose to buy from okay that's one see if you actually buy a google home product and if you are aware of how google makes money then it should come very naturally to you that the cost of the speaker is so low because they they're going to make money off me mm. now while that is not wrong because advertisement has been the way of you know selling you something for over hundreds and two hundreds of years it's just that it has become a little nosy in our mm. personal lives as well earlier i used to read a newspaper in order to get advertisements or watch a tv now even if i'm you know if i'm on my gmail and trying to do some work i still get uh, ads from google as a email ads right so in general whoever you buy from their model is pretty specific and you already know that so if you still buy the product you are putting yourself to it coming to your generally map right uh, the way that any developer would make money is either through ads or either through your purchases mm-hmm. then they are so data becomes important in two cases for example how valuable the data is so when i was doing my engineering we were taught uh, a concept called as not concept as a, as a, as a theory called as that if there is a 10000 rupees gold in a safe you can't protect it with 50000 rupees of uh, security mm. that doesn't make sense yeah. privacy has always been a fundamental right to humans for example if i ask you your bank password would you be willing to share whatever product that i put into your home of course not yeah. right so there are certain aspects of privacy which you would never let go like even if you ask americans today give me your social security number they might slap you before giving you that mm. so and in india we are giving aadhar card like any other thing mm. so it the 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 bigger question is do you actually understand how valuable your data is the moment you do you'll start realizing or start buying from companies who actually care about your data apple has been into privacy since they launched iphone like so there was this d d8 conference i guess in 2008 or 2010 where steve jobs was talking that our our mobiles could track your location and every time an app asks for the uh, location they have to ask it ask it a hundred times until the consumer is literally you know frustrated why are you asking me so many times so now you see google has adapted to that that every time you go into an app they ask your location earlier i remember my phone's battery used to drain a lot because lg was tracking me i think lg was tracking me most of the time because mm-hmm. my location is always on mm-hmm. and lg used to track wherever i am going that is something i felt but after these changes that have come right that i can restrict who can access to my location at what time my batteries are doing very fine i mean mm-hmm. it, it it can't be just a coincidence that after the update this is happening but again this is my personal preference so coming back to the data there would be a certain type of data which you wouldn't care of which you still don't care about 
but there is a certain type of data that you would care about given that you realize what its value is okay so it's it's like the the fundamental is are you willing to share that data that you know what it's worth of if you don't know then you'll share everything people share mm-hmm. their otp man yeah Exactly. Because they don't understand what what value it holds. So, so education. as a consumer, we need to be more wary of what we like, what information we are sharing. Two things on this part: the company should actually tell you it. It is it yeah, is not the responsibility of consumers. How do you expect consumer to get educated on something? How 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 can I ask my father to be educated on privacy laws in India? Exactly. It's the if a company is ethical enough, it's their job. You have read a privacy statement. Have you actually no, read one? I, that was my next question. Right. Okay. So, as a company, what we are doing is we are making exact lines bold, which matter. Mm-hmm. We are not going to use your data. We are not going to sell it to third party. We are going to bold it. So, when you skim through it, you know the exact points which you should be focusing on. And if we don't do that, and if we make it really small and really big, you should know what we are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Why can't there be a highlight page like highlight of privacy statement? That's it. But again, that is that is like a very conscious decision on a company side. Exactly. Right. So you also mentioned that we need to trust the companies that uh, are are not doing are not like taking our data or or using it in a in a bad way, right? Or would that be the right way to put it? No. Um, I know. I I would say. You know how a company works. What their so business how, model like, is. How do you know that? Like as a consumer, right? Me, yeah. I have never worked. I've, this is my first Apple product, right. right? How do I know that Apple is not going to use my data? Like unless I'm going and reading that privacy statement line by right. line, right? How do I make that decision? Great, actually, very great. So there, there, there are multiple uses of data. The biggest one that is in intruding our lives is through ads. Mm, yeah. specifically targeted ads even worse than ads are those post which make so let's say that you are in india that let's say you are leftist or rightist then the algorithm or the people on the right side can actually promote specific post that can aggravate you to do something that they want mm-hmm. this is actually a by far the worst implementation of ads mm-hmm. and on the other hand side it's about the product so if you use head and shoulders i'll sell you body shop if you are using apple watch i'll sell you fitbit which is okay so you have to understand whether a company has so in case of apple right um, they're not showing you any ads they're not making money off your habits mm-hmm. whereas google and facebook they have, like you can go to on their web, on their wikipedia they'll know what is the primary business model it is advertisement advertisement is very fruitful because of only one reason because it is perpetual mm-hmm. it's like sucking blood out of somebody if you suck it a little bit every day it will get replenished and you can go on forever he lives so apple may charge you 100 ml of blood in 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 your money value but they would not keep on sucking you mm-hmm. and this is a uh, a very drastic difference between how companies operate mm-hmm. see wikipedia and signal they operate on these fundings by other companies mm-hmm. mozilla works with fundings as well as they're launching their other privacy related products like mozilla has launched their first premium vpn mm-hmm. 
which you can buy mm. which keeps your identity secret mm. which is a great implementation mozilla doesn't show you ads ha huh, it might keep a home page for a specific browser so like how apple also does it if you go on to safari the default page is google because google pays them billions of dollars every year to do that and mm. that's okay because you can still change it but safari has the functionality to not let him track you they have anti tracker sensor okay so again the consumer has to understand which company they are getting involved in and the company has to make conscious effort to let them know what their business model is and how they are going to use their data which you will see that most companies don't do yeah because they they want to be perpetual with you like just keep this going on yeah so google did not care about gdpr or data until european union made it mandatory to do so hmm that's a conscious effort on people side because it's still a group of people trying to understand how it works i think google pulled out of australia right or they ha- recently I mean, something happened in australia and i think it was google news ban So what they're doing is they're not going to they're show any news. The, yeah, they weren't paying the individual. Exactly. Yeah. So what happened is they used to get all the traffic, and news in I mean news is in all together a different mud, and uh, I mean they have a sad reality because people don't want to pay for something, mm. and they actually work by getting paid. Mm. So if they can't show you ads, how are they going to make you money? So in case of Australia, I guess there was something that. Um, they were cutting on the revenues and the profits of those news corporations somehow i i'm i'm not too familiar with that uh, fiasco as of now okay so i want to pivot a little right because i feel like we started recording this midway yeah definitely so so let's go back how many companies are you currently running um so currently we have in total of five companies mm-hmm. and they are into multiple areas so so one is next home So next home yes as Meknika yes Meknika what about the other three? um so I I'll tell you how we started and I'll tell you how we stumbled upon these companies as we kept rolling mm-hmm. okay so we is who like so, you and it's the same co-founder for all of the five yeah, companies exactly so what happened is um I was actually brought up in a very small town of Rajasthan by my grandparents and then i later moved to live with my parents who then helped me do the schooling and then sent off for engineering uh, where i accidentally found my you know future co-founders in the same room and we shared the same passion of building things and doing something new so at that time it was around 2014 2015 we realized that one of the biggest industry that was ever going to be in india is mobile search specifically mm-hmm. the searches that you do on google play store okay so for example if you're looking for some ticketing app or mm-hmm. let's say you're looking for some some sort of a business transaction app or some sort of a pnr app whatever mm-hmm. it is you don't know the company's name yet mm-hmm. okay if you are looking for make my trip you'll definitely search for make my trip but there is lo- there are tons of people in tons of categories who don't know who their category leader is Hmm. Yeah. Right. So as long as there is no category leader, or if there are still organic higher organic searches for keywords like hotel booking, book mm-hmm. hotels, and something like that, mm-hmm. the companies who actually wanted to get the top position, right? There was no one around this problem that you could get higher visibility mm-hmm. on Play Store or an App Store. Mm-hmm. 
and the problem is on desktop you have this wide 15 16 inch screen sometimes it is 22 inches screen so you can see multiple options at once your mobile is tiny like almost the size of your palm mm-hmm. so you can't see more than 3 to 4 apps at any given point of time so that means all the 200 apps which are down will never see the end of the uh, light of the day light of the day yeah. right so the first four matters so we started working on understanding how they are ranked and how any company can make most out of it mm-hmm. so we created the first anti aso algorithm basically that works against google's algorithm to rank the products and we found out how we can infuse our companies on top by means our is like our clients or anyone so we figured out how they wanted this algorithm to work we understood it and then we pivoted it in such a way that we could have your app and rank it within like 15 to 20 days on any keyword that you could want to be seen on like that's very interesting so like how does how does an app store work like are you are you changing the back end code mm. or are you like like what exactly sure, sure. if you See, were to tell it in layman terms so basically such large corporations right uh, they can't work on manual labor so they create these algorithms which go through your apps they read how what you are writing about your app what is the title how mm-hmm. how people are clicking on it how many people are downloading it mm-hmm. what is the crash rate and everything they take all these 110 parameters mm-hmm. they put it into let's say a mixing machine system. no no a mixing machine mm-hmm. and then there comes out a a single score let's say which is ranking score okay okay based on that ranking score whenever people search for any keyword your ranking score determines where you will rank okay and it is based out of all the parameters around your app mm-hmm. so it could be the description the short description how many languages you are into whether the people who are searching for you are you a local app or are you a national app mm-hmm. so people who are searching for keyboard in kerala they mm-hmm. might they are probably looking for their lo- local language keyboard mm-hmm. not the english or the hindi keyboard yeah right so they take all of these things into consideration and mm-hmm. then rate the app in such a way that whether if this keyword is searched for this is what your ranking will be okay okay so this is a part of how digital marketing works mm-hmm. okay so because there are never people around it so they create these algorithms they let it work if if it breaks or somebody breaks it they come they mend it again so these programmers in google side they mend that program again make some changes to it fundamental changes which feel which they feel that wouldn't be able to, so people won't be able to mess around with it mm-hmm. okay and it's a black box you just don't know what happens there mm-hmm. and our job as digital marketers was to help our clients gain maximum visibility okay so we the moment we realized how we did this we actually worked with india's like top companies even today we are working with the companies like dream 11 or yes bank or ic saving like you can actually pick any company that is more or less have 10 to 20 million downloads and we are probably working with them okay so that was the starting point of next okay and so of next in general the whole company is called as next okay and then it has different products which have their own specific names mm-hmm. so this was called as next labs okay because we were actually in a lab trying to figure it out how mm-hmm. you know visibility is uh, how we can maximize the visibility of products mm-hmm. 
So that was our venture one where we had really good success. I was the um, the driving force in general. I was getting all the deals and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we had a technical department who was supporting those algorithms and keeping everything intact. Mm-hmm. So this kept on for about one or two years. I was still in my second year and by fourth year we realized... Oh wait, so this is in, in your first year of college? In first of year college, we realized what we wanted to do. Okay. Um, because we realized that college is not going to get us anywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, however hard we tried, right? The college was such in was was of such a shape and size huh. that the best job that I could uh, expect from last ten years of data was to be a software engineer at Accenture at three point six LPA. Okay. Right. The typical hmm. understanding. And I never had a computer in my life. The problem was, I I never had a computer until I was almost graduated high school. Hmm. And in college, I took information technology, which is completely about computers. Hmm. So, at least I knew this, that I couldn't be a programmer for job sake, because although I can program, it just doesn't give me that kind of happiness. Hmm. So, since we knew that, we're like, okay, we have to do something from now on. So then we started venturing into these, uh, we started thinking what products can be built. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's uh, very, uh, a time where I can tell you, if you can understand that everyone who came before you, and I'm talking about everyone who made the world the way it is right now, you would see that they were no smarter than what you are. Mm-hmm. And if they were no smarter than what you are, and if you can take their products, make it better, you'll realize that your life cannot cannot remain the same because you can touch anything. Mm. You can make it better. Extremely better, I would say. Mm. And then present it to the people. And if it is good enough, people will buy it. Okay. So that literally just changed the, 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 the path that I was going to take. Mm. Because... Once I realized that, I was like, let's build products. Like, you know, everyone has built products. Let's build products as well. So we started with this ASO algorithm because we thought that it was a booming market. And then we cracked it somehow. And then we started selling it. So for two years, we sold it to almost the major companies in India. The startups did not have money to, you know, to actually invest in something like that. Because it was still at the nascent stages and you know, startups usually want to have a very clear proposition about an idea and um, corporates seem to understand it very well. Because for them, visibility is not just visibility in terms of download, it's also visibility in terms of branding. So when you search for best booking app and MMT comes first, your mind is being programmed to To associate that with them. Associate these two words together. Best Mm -hmm. flight booking app, oh, make my trip. So this is how corporates think. Mm. So we worked with most of these companies and then in fourth year we realized, you know, you know, it, it has been a fun ride now. Mm. It, it's almost a mon- like it, it became a monotony in, in its own. Mm. Although the company was doing good, people were adding. So we realized what could be the next big thing. Mm. Wait, so let me stop you there. I have a couple of questions. One. Are you yourself a programmer? Like, were you one of the people that uh, was creating that algorithm or working on it? Or did you find a way to find the right people to do it for you? Okay, great. So, 
in order to break an algorithm you don't need a programmer okay you need to understand how a algorithm works okay okay mm-hmm. once you know how a programming algorithm works you can write down the logic mm-hmm. that okay this is how i'm going to beat it uh-huh. and then you can hire a programmer to um, translate it into a code, code. Mm-hmm. and then use it okay but first you need to understand how the algorithm will be broken okay so that's the core at it and then you have to find the people to you know put it so it's like finding the right idea mm. assembling the right plan to do it and then finding people if you want to okay i asked because when i was thinking about what i would want to ask you right i started thinking on the lines of the fact that at least i and the people around me have been living a very uh like a very structured life this life plan has been imbibed into us right that you need to do engineering then you need to let's say do ms because ms is all the craze with oh, me yeah. and my oh, friends yeah. uh then you need to get like a good paying job for 3 years come back probably get married and then get another good paying job in india yes. right so my my horizon is not like hasn't or wasn't any broader than that right that was all i could see i was breaking my head over how can i do well now to get like that 20% promotion mm-hmm. or you know i mean i'm still obviously that, yeah right because like that is my realm of possibility right now but slowly in the past 6 months i've slowly started to realize that there is more exactly. right then rather than being an employee i could potentially be an employer right mm-hmm. rather than thinking about getting like a 10% hike i can possibly create something once and sell it like a million times obviously right so these kind of very again abstract but but these kind of ideas have slowly started dawning on me right and then i i came across you and you have already done like so many different things right so i was just trying to understand what your point of view was to all of it right because you were also an engineer you were also in engineering college then what made you step out of that line what made you step out of that thought process that hey you know i can do my own thing or i don't need to go for a job like i probably would have gone for that 3.5 lakh job and then try to jump a job and then get a higher yeah. salary right so it takes i feel a lot of guts to step out of the thought process at least from my point of view so i i wanted to understand that actually um i would say the the biggest influence on this so you know one, one of the things that you actually wanted to ask me is how college shaped my Mm-hmm. career and how where am i and what role does the college play in that yeah so i feel that if i was at any other place and if i hadn't found the right people around me you know sometimes you just need somebody to pat you on the back and tell you know just go mm-hmm. i'm here to look after you mm-hmm. just go and try it out come back and we'll see what happens mm-hmm. sometimes just this is enough to propel you into something which is absolutely crazy just try it out take that just risk. go i'm i'm here mm-hmm. right i'm i'm on the so let's say that you are near the sea and i'm asking you to jump like so uh, you are on a cliff and i'm asking you to jump on the uh, jump in the sea i'm saying just go i'm here if anything goes wrong i'm literally standing here i'll come for you hmm. i won't come <laughs> <laughs> and not that you would need me mm-hmm. because the the leap of faith is just taking yeah. that jump mm-hmm. and once you make up your mind everything will fall in place if mm-hmm. it doesn't you would make it fall in place yeah the first step is harder than all of the other steps yeah mm-hmm. so i mean 
I feel so even at our company right one of the issues that I have consistently faced in the initial years was that people were not able to take bold decisions mm. they were not able to tell me that Ashutosh this is shit and you are not thinking correctly mm. and then I had to infuse this that you got to be bold mm. I am here if anything goes wrong I am literally here sitting on that you know chair mm. I will be here to help you out Mm. But just do something which you normally wouldn't. Mm. So now, like now they're taking so big, bold steps that it it makes me feel proud that, you know, we're not compromising on anything mm. while making something, which is how I feel a creator should be. Mm. So to answer your question, if you were in college, right? And if anyone, anyone around you could have just told you to, you know, just go for it go into it for three to six months, nothing will change because that's what happened with me. Mm-hmm. So those friends that I'm talking about, right? Somebody just said out of the blue, karte hai. like, let's just do it now. Nah. We're in college. <laughs> We're in college. And yeah. w- the worst thing that's going to happen is that our GPA will drop by 20%. Mm-hmm. That's the worst that could happen. Or we could get a KTR or something. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But still, it's a worth trying. And as I told you, right, once you realize that people before you were no smarter than you mm. you can literally take any product as mm. long as you know the technical know-how you 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 can't be the same person mm. very interesting but you have to be just passionate about that particular problem or just passionate about solving problems mm. that's believe me the guy who made KFC the guys who made McDonald's they were relentless mm more than so if they were geniuses like we would know their IQs and everything because mm, you know we yeah. know the IQ of Albert Einstein and all the other people yeah but I'm just saying that they were just normal people like you and me mm. they had the courage or the relentlessness yeah. to, relentlessness, to be there yeah. it's interesting that you bring up relentlessness because um, I I don't know when but I came across this video this almost like a TED talk um, about which talked about this study um, on kids, right? And how more, like, the more resilient and the more relentless a kid is when, when they're young, it, the more successful they become, right? So it's not correlated to how smart they are or, you know, how, uh, like, nothing else really. If they keep going at it when they're young and they kind of imbibe that habit of not giving up, that is how they, they end up being successful when they're older as well. Which kind of really struck a chord because, um, I don't know, I feel like, at least with me, right, with the kind of uh, background that I have come from, with, with all the experience of engineering and JE and all that preparation, it tends to make you into a perfectionist, right? Because anything less than 100% is not good enough. Anything less than, like, like that top 1000 rank, yeah. or if you didn't get into RV from CET, then it's not good yeah, enough, okay. right? So, and then there's no room for error. There's no room for experimentation. Yes, yes. And... I feel like even just asking you to come on the podcast, right? That was such a big decision for me because I mean, I I thought to myself, I don't have anything to show for it. Like if he asks, okay, what do you want to do? I have no idea. So I can wing it. But there were so many thoughts going across my head that am I good enough? Why am I doing this? But then that was the kind of leap of faith. Okay, you know, fuck it. Let's do it. So I feel like that uh, aspect of risk taking and that aspect of just trying right and the creativity part of it like why not like let's let's find a workaround that is something that 
I feel our education system has kind of slowly sucked out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I remember as kids, like everyone is so creative, like in their own ways. It could be singing, it could be drawing, it could be just the way that they look at things. And and slowly you're kind of pushed into this one very delineated channel, channel right? That you need to do it only a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and and I just like my vision for this podcast is to talk more. to people that that helps like anyone who's listening broaden their horizon right to to make them feel like 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 you rightly said we're all normal people i'm sure some of us are smarter than the other but we're all we're all normal and anything is possible so if there's anyone like me out there who's who's listening who's in like first year of college or 11th and 12th they can they can gain that confidence to take the first step and to try something out that they always wanted to do uh but yeah, i think we 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 have come on like a very long tangent mm-hmm. but coming back to all of your all of your companies right um one very interesting thought that i had especially about next home and your 3d printing business because you already also have a 3d printing business do you ever use your 3d printing uh experience to kind of supplement next home as in i'm guessing you would have a lot of these prototyping that you do mm-hmm. right you leverage that 3d printing business to do that because that would be like an interesting combination sure right because from what i understand about about 3d printing right it's not something that and correct me if i'm wrong it's not something that you can use to scale like you can't make products on like a assembly line like like you do in factories it's more to do with prototyping and it's more to do with uh to figure out that first initial version of something and then to use that into uh, consumer production right so for a product company where you're kind of trying all of these different iterations have you ever, like do you and if not have you ever tried using your 3d printing uh, experience to kind of uh, get it into next home sure uh, interesting question so i'll circle back to the first conversation that we that you started about the tech talk being relentless and you know having to achieve success actually i can definitely relate to that because when you were saying that right so one of my um, like one of my uncles actually used to tell me in the early years of my life is that if you don't so he he said it in hindi so i'm just trying to you know properly yeah sure you can you can you can say no, no, actually, i can understand it, it, No, no. You can, right? I just want to make sure that it comes out right. Uh huh. So the in, translation, in, yeah. Yeah. So in in Hindi, he said, "Uh, agar haan nahi manoge, to jeet to milegi." Hmm. And in English, what what it would translate to is that if you if you don't accept your uh, loss, right, you would have to be you you would eventually, you eventually succeed. Yeah. Yeah. so when you're trying harder problems on iits papers or any papers right i think education system definitely got us there but one of the things that we did not do at that time is to be relentlessly pursuing those problems mm-hmm. like you would see you would always see one guy who's like giving all his heart out to solve that one problem the teacher is gone the students are gone he's just sitting there trying to figure out how do i solve this problem he has wasted 10 20 30 papers 20 methods are done gone gone he's not the scholar but he's just trying to understand why i can't solve this mm-hmm. problem schooling yes schooling has asked us to become these perfectionist and one of the reasons that i feel that i was not 
uh, able to experience multiple things is because of how the generations in my family has been so my grandfather's generation was completely illiterate then my father came and he you know he is a ba in something <laughs> in <laughs> india and then so from his perspective right he had doctor and engineer friends at that time who used to make a lot of money mm-hmm. and he had to work day in and day night to build a company or to uh, sustain the family and everything so he realized in his time see he has been programmed from his early uh, adulthood that if i had studied a little bit more i would have a better life mm-hmm. and he was right for his period mm-hmm. when he got his sons right he thought i would not let them make the same mistake that i did mm-hmm. which is true as a father you don't want them to do that mm-hmm. but you are just not updated as per the current scenario mm-hmm. and parenting has been a very challenging job since ages so what they did was to put me in the right school mm-hmm. with the right teachers asked me to get marks which was obviously i mean he, he was spending half of its money on my education so mm-hmm. understandably that was something we would expect and then uh, all i had to do was to study and pass the exams mm-hmm. so from his point of view that's how the perfect life would be created but if i were to do his job now i would do again i would fail because i wouldn't know what the current scenario is mm-hmm. but at least i would do is i would urge everyone to do is to explore like yeah. explore as many things as you can as many things yeah so yeah. true if you because i i remember i had friends who were going to these karate classes mm-hmm. and they had a black belt in 8th yeah and they, they they some of them left left it in the middle which is okay some of them went to become these national karate champions mm-hmm. again i'm not saying it's a successful job or it's, it it will make you a lot of money but it will give you a satisfaction that even a mill a millionaire would not have Mm. because it's satisfaction of achieving something by yourself completely by yourself mm. so yes relentlessness is somehow i i would feel that there has to be a combination mm-hmm. only punching on the wall would not get you anywhere yeah <laughs> but it has to be directed but not giving up not giving up is a is a definitely great attitude to have mm-hmm. coming to your question about 3d printing so the reason we actually started 3d printing is not because it 3d printing was booming is because we were working with nextone around that time before 3d printing came into the picture we were based out of bangalore and uh, we were looking out for the servicemen people who would give us these 3d printed prototypes and we realized that it cost a hell lot of money to get one prototype done and it cost a lot less to buy a machine entry level machine at least okay mm. and they were charging us premiums because there were very few players back then mm. so our idea was simple why does a service so easy has to be so hard for people mm. and that was the inception of mechanica the idea was simple because we were a hardware startup back then as well we understand in hardware there everything is against you so to be honest in a hardware startup everything is stacked against you mm. anything that you can make easy for yourself you would try to do that so you would not get a 3d printing machine mm-hmm. because if you do that you need people who can operate it properly mm-hmm. make sure that you have filament and everything in stocks and then you have to manage it which becomes really hard mm-hmm. so the 
idea of mechanica was simple you give us the parts we give you the parts in literally printing hour plus 1 hour hmm. so if your part is like 6 hours we'll give you in the 7th hour that's it okay and as low as possible that was the whole point Mm-hmm. and the other companies they they were skimming on the materials like they were providing these really cheap materials which would just crack if we put some pressure on it and they mm-hmm. would ask us to pay more for getting a premium material and mm-hmm. we're like dude when i'm asking for a service i'm asking for the top notch service in the first place mm-hmm. if i had to buy a crappy product i would search for crappy 3d printing services mm-hmm. not best 3d printing services So you can't expect me to keep paying you premium for something that I deserved in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's how Mechanica started. Okay. And over then we have worked with a lot of companies like Audi and Honda, Mercedes, Isro, Bosch, Siemens, and a lot of th- thousands of startups after that. Mm-hmm. Helping them understand how 3D printing works, how faster they can prototype. Mm-hmm. More importantly, save them so much of time that they can spend that time and either sourcing for the actual materials mm. pcbs people or talking to their customers mm. even apple does not doesn't do their manufacturing just realize it They're, it's the world's biggest hardware company mm. they don't do their own manufacturing mm. because it's hard job and if you keep focusing on everything you don't have focus on anything else mm. and that actually dissects the logic of running multiple companies in the first place <laughs> i i I have this uh, saying on my, <clears throat> so I have like this six by four foot pin up board in front of my table, Great. right? Because I'm like a visual person, uh-huh. so I have this this one quote that says the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Which I feel is it's really funny, but it's also very deep at the same time. Yeah, it is. Right, because like you need to understand and realize what exactly it is that you want yeah. to put your effort into, right? And outsource everything else. Yeah, we never got your other other ventures. So we talked about two. We talked about three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the story goes on like this: that mm-hmm. in the fourth year, we realized that we were. So you know, when you start a company, everything is fine post editing. Sure, <laughs> that's one thing I've realized. Actually, <laughs> my my friend. So so I have a co-host to this podcast, uh-huh. right? Because of the pandemic, like he's in Delhi right now. He's okay. he's my uh, close friend from college. Um, And he says this one thing. He says, "Arey post production me sambhal lenge." So <laughs> like for true. yeah for YouTube videos for like anything like arey post production me sambhal lenge. But yeah, makes sense. Um. So yeah. So I was talking about how you start with off with this money concepts in the first place. But as you get let's let's say that once you start making five ten lakh rupees a month, you realize it has nothing to do with the money. Hmm. Now you you're you're looking for a. for inner for impact purpose, yeah. No, no, yeah for inner impact of like we can call it purpose and an outer impact on the world mm-hmm. because as i mentioned people before you were no smarter than you were mm-hmm. right so then you start realizing how can i impact this world in a much much larger way mm-hmm. and uh, because we were so early on we realized that we love building products in general mm-hmm. because that's a process that gives us inner happiness mm-hmm. for you maybe it, it's going to a podcast and you know talking to people that would give you inner happiness mm-hmm. so that was the inner happiness for us mm-hmm. so we were brainstorming like we were a bunch of five six people brainstorming in one uh, room mm-hmm. and we realized that somebody has to get up turn off something turn on something mm-hmm. they had to close the induction plate that was which mm-hmm. was cooking food and then they had to control the speed of the fan mm-hmm. in that 20 30 minute session people had to get up five five six times and mm-hmm. we, i realized 
it is breaking the momentum of the brainstorming mm-hmm. like you know you don't so, want to break that yeah. it, it it has to be a super flow mm-hmm. so then i realized we all realized at that point that why are these switchboards like these switchboards mm-hmm. what is going what is the deal with these people mm-hmm. and then we you know then the actual brainstorming started and then we realized that it's a multi billion dollar industry in india mm-hmm. and these cavemen switchboards as we call it haven't changed at all in the last 20 year, uh, 100 years or so hmm. the lights the light bulb holders haven't changed in 150 years hmm. the way that we install a tube light hasn't changed anything in the last 40 50 years hmm. so why are some industries going so fast and why the other industries are not it's because of something we call as habituation hmm. so the thing is if you wear a pair of jeans every day and you have been wearing it for the last for, since you were a child okay it would be hard for you almost impossible for you to understand what could be made better around it or mm-hmm. how do we completely disrupt jeans industry mm-hmm. because you're so used to it for so because long. you're so used to it for so long mm-hmm. right switch is not just in our generation it's mm-hmm. in my grandfather's generation mm-hmm. and if there is any gene that is being passed on <laughs> it would be to depend to be dependent on these switchboards mm-hmm. in a very i would say you you do realize you pay a lot for these switches if you don't let me tell you this mm-hmm. the cheapest switch on the market will cost you 30 to 40 rupees one switch mm-hmm. the most expensive ones go as high as 500 to 700 mm-hmm. they're not even most expensive they're all almost middle level mm-hmm. the m- most expensive goes in 1000 and that's just one switch we are talking Mm. you spend anywhere between 1000 to 2000 rupees on one switchboard if you chose the cheapest brand mm. but people don't choose the cheapest brand okay because your father while while he was making the house or while he was purchasing or renovating the house he wants to put the best things out there mm. so you essentially paid about 2 3 lakh rupees for plastic in your home mm. and it's literally just plastic mm. and how these companies have been rolling on is they keep giving you these preppy colors mm. they change the shape and size of the switch that's mm. their biggest innovation let me tell you the breakthrough that they did in 2018 or 19 they made this horizontal switchboards mm. redesigned completely from scratch into vertical switchboards that was the biggest change that they ever did okay at least in my lifetime okay okay and they are calling it the next big thing and i'm like okay understood Mm-hmm. and this these are the same people okay so and it's not their issue right mm-hmm. because over generations a uh, entrepreneur has to understand the new customers and the new demands that are not even there mm-hmm. so volume wise you could say that it is one of the most sold products in any country because every house needs at least 25 to 50 switchboards if it, if it is an average 3 to 4 bhk house 25 to 30 to 50 switchboards per house mm. but it's not it's not like something that you have to you have you have to frequently change right like one switchboard probably lasts 10 20 years decades yeah. definitely yeah. then then what, like how is where is the demand coming from is it only just because the population oh, is no, increasing no, no. And you, you you will live in a very small world right now which mm-hmm. is a certain area of bangalore okay if i were to tell you how big india is we wouldn't be like we don't have the imagination to imagine mm-hmm. how big a country is mm-hmm. 
everyone that you see right when you move out of your home and you go to your own place you would probably end up buying your own place mm-hmm. how would they have the switch boards because somebody bought it for you or you bought it for them mm-hmm. every day people are getting reno- uh, getting their house renovated mm-hmm. how many people multiplied by 120 uh, thousand uh, 120 crores into some uh, mm-hmm. percentage numbers mm-hmm. that number is still so high Mm-hmm. So it's the sheer volume of people exactly. that we have. Okay. Not just we. That makes sense. Across the world, mm-hmm. imagine there are seven billion people. I'm just taking it out of the context, but let's say that on an average, seven people live in a home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's say there are. So I checked it. About one billion homes in the whole world are electrified. That mm-hmm. means there are one billion homes mm-hmm. with switchboards. Switchboards. Yeah. Or there are one billion switchboards. One of those is true. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there are. they are not like when you look at it right and it's it has been the best product in the if i ask you which has been the best products of all these times mm-hmm. if you ask me actually i would say washing machines and switchboards and bulbs these are like the fundamentally ground breaking products for us mm-hmm. so now we feel that we are ushering into a age where these products are no longer needed mm-hmm. and because the needs are changing so rapidly Mm-hmm. we need a product that can actually keep up with the fast changing pace mm-hmm. as simple as that so we realize that you control your switchboard at least 1000 to 1200 times a year one switchboard mm-hmm. and if you think about it using something for so so long and so so many times mm-hmm. you would want to you would want it to get better Mm, okay. If you're experiencing something like it's it's the same problem with habituation, that once you once you are accustomed to a difficult environment, mm. that environment becomes easy for you. The until normal, yeah. yeah, until somebody comes and says, "Oh, okay, we have this great thing. Just try it out." Mm. And then you're like, "Oh, how could I live with all of this before?" Mm. So similarly, when you were in college, right? You had lot. You did not have a lot of luxuries. But mm-hmm. when you got into job, you started having better phones and better life. Mm-hmm. And you realize that better life is actually better. <laughs> They call it better for a reason. <laughs> so we feel that there is nothing called as best switchboard. Mm-hmm. Like there is a best phone. Mm-hmm. There is a best computer, mm-hmm. arguably. And there is arguably anything which is best. Mm-hmm. Switchboard is a category where there is everyone is either average. below average above average mm-hmm. nobody is saying that you know we are going to make the best product out there mm-hmm. we took up that challenge and then we redesigned the switchboards from ground up mm-hmm. we made sure that we do three things we designed the products very thoughtfully mm-hmm. the we designed the products that were that look aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and the most important one once you start using them you feel very proud to own them in the first place mm. that were the three major things that we wanted our consumers to feel mm. and after doing you know 50 to 100 families as of this now like we are consistently beta testing alpha testing with our consumers mm. they actually feel privileged to be using this product not because that it can control your lights but because it's so thoughtfully designed mm. that you think oh well, you know uh you you i mean i don't want to get ahead in the conversation mm-hmm. but does award mean anything for a product or not right mm-hmm. actually if you give somebody a really great product mm-hmm. they would understand that it is great 
because we have this inherent understanding of how something great is made so mm-hmm. when you hold something really good you would know it is very good okay. like to give you an uh, idea dyson you, have you heard yeah, of dyson? Have dyson yeah of course they don't have to go out and look for design awards mm-hmm. if you hold a dyson product without the dyson logo mm-hmm. you would know that this is something incredible mm-hmm. and this is what our um, this is what have been what something has been pushing us to build Mm. that people should just take the product in their hand and mm. they should feel that they have they have something incredible in their hand that's mm. it so I, what what made you think that way like what got you to the point where your core values revolved around quality as opposed to uh, anything else right so when you when you take money out of the context right when you take money out of the context you are left with two things either you can make something cheap or whether or you can make something good mm-hmm. an inherent quality of human is if there is no greed there mm-hmm. you would always make, make something good mm-hmm. as long as you love doing it mm-hmm. as long as you love doing yeah. it the love doing it part is important yeah. so if you so <laughs> there is something about so i'm not so since you are in podcast and youtube right mm-hmm. you would see that post production solves everything mm-hmm. but it takes you hours and hours of post production yeah. you don't even want one frame to go wrong mm-hmm. because it's something that has touched you and you have touched it yeah. people don't don't understand in these terms that your art as much as you impact it mm-hmm. it impacts you in a larger way mm-hmm. so you want it to be the best yeah. possible shape of its own Mm. that's how you get great products out there mm. yeah I, i i can i can resonate with that yeah. you don't you just, you just don't want to compromise like there is mm. an option like people will not buy it right that's that's the whole point mm. but at least i can go to sleep thinking that i did something really good today mm. i was not after that mm. so i said you know that's what i've been trying to infuse into our company mm-hmm. and i'm like very happy when people bring these ideas mm-hmm. which are not cherry pick uh, which are not taken off the shelf mm-hmm. what other competitors are doing what other people are doing mm-hmm. they genuinely create something new mm-hmm. out of thin air and i'm like amazed by that well that's it's very interesting how now that we're on your company and people how do you uh, select someone to be part of your company like how do you employ someone where do you find these people like is it on these websites that you can find or is it through word of mouth or is it through uh, like someone else vouching for them like right. because you're like from what you're telling me your company is very uh, it's very niche not just in the product that you're making but also in in its ethos right the way that you work and i don't think that anyone and everyone would be uh the best fit for it mm-hmm. right because you want very creative people but also quality oriented people who who are honest and you know who can speak their mind like you mentioned um and from my experience as a i'd like to say that i'm a recent college graduate so i have have a say in this but not everyone fits that description yeah right? they, so how do you how do you find like minded people who would work for you So first foremost is asking the people you already respect whether they know somebody who they respect. Mm. 
very simple good people always watch for good people mm-hmm. okay, i would never watch for people who are not good mm-hmm. because it puts my respect on the mm-hmm. line as well so that's number one mm-hmm. number two is you have to put the word out everywhere mm-hmm. so i had to so about our last hire i'll just tell you i had to make 600 calls to each and every candidate mm-hmm. before selecting the one from mm-hmm. them and it's a very tiring process Mm. but once that one person is on board yeah, it's going to be worth the other 599 no's yeah and mm. that's one definitely he's the best of the bunch second thing is your team appreciates you for bringing someone really good mm. because if I if if you bring a crappy person on, on the job right mm. everyone starts having these negative feelings towards mm. it because he's just not good mm. So if you have kept the bar high, the bar has to, you know, mm. keep rising with every hire. Yeah. This really, this really reminds me of uh, the book on Netflix. I'm forgetting the name. Uh, by Reed Hastings, I think the CEO. And he talks about the working of Netflix, right? And he talks about how uh, Netflix does not work at all like any of the other corporate giants. Right? They have no leave policy, they have no uh, billing restrictions, like you have ideally an unlimited budget, right? But to put it in a crude way, because they have gotten on board such incredibly brilliant people, right? not just how smart they are, but like how efficient they are. If you're a coder, then one good coder is better than like 10 average ones, right? So, and the book talks about how that environment and that uh, promotion of honesty and you know candidness elevates the entire workplace and the productivity right, right? so everyone kind of feeds off of that energy yes. and because you have such incredible people that is why everything just works like that like if you if you didn't have that like in normal companies you need to have a leave policy otherwise everyone would just exploit it <laughs> right you need to have like budgeting restrictions or all of these things but if you have people like mine, people who, who resonate with your passion, like you said, that quality or, you know, honesty or whatever, then that is when it would, like, really fly. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I really understand that sentiment. So, um, to, to give you a perspective, let's... So, I'll tell you how I decide whether somebody is good or not. So, they, ha- they have to have some basic fundamental traits, like they should have a unlimited thirst for knowledge Mm -hmm. it is very important and I'll explain it to you how second is they should be positive they should be risk taking in general and they should have done something that was risk taking on any level okay so that's one and one of the philosophies that has served me well over the last few years after working with such good players is that it's what I call the artist's DNA Mm -hmm. what it means is Imagine I had to hire a photographer, right? Anyone can click a picture. That's Mm -hmm. not the problem. There are only a few who would click a picture that they would say is the perfect uh, capturization of that moment. Mm -hmm. In that similar way, when I'm hiring people, right, I'm not looking at their core skill per se, but I'm thinking how long would they go working on a product that requires intensity before they give up what it does is if you work with a really good programmer okay he would make a really good code 
But next day you would realize that you don't need that code anymore. You would ask them to rewrite a new code. Mm-hmm. They would do that. They would do that. Mm-hmm. At certain points, people will start breaking. They'll say, you know, I've been doing this for too long now. Mm-hmm. I gotta get out. I gotta get out. I gotta get out. And things like that. Which is absolutely okay. And then there are few people, really handful of people, mm-hmm. who would love doing it over and over again because they're doing it better than the last time. It's like a sculpture at work. While the person is working on a sculpture, right, and if he makes a mistake, or if it is not looking as good as he thought it would, he would scratch that off, start working again. Mm-hmm. A writer takes years to write one novel because he he or she wants to make sure that every word is in the right place. So would this be going back to the resilient part? And somewhat, 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 but also the, the, the love for what they're doing. Like they have to have inherent love for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. See, I'm paying you for being an analyst, let's say. Right? Mm-hmm. I can ask you to analyze anything n number of times. Mm-hmm. What matters when people break is when I ask you to analyze the same file a mm-hmm. hundred times in different ways and trying to understand whether we can make different things out of it. Mm-hmm. You lose your patience. Mm-hmm. People who really love their job never lose their patience, not at least while working. Mm-hmm. They might lose their patience and everything in a brainstorming session or mm-hmm. so, but they do really love their work. Mm-hmm. And so there was this guy and one of the highlights of that interview was he stood up his uh, in front of his company for saying that I don't want a green PCB inside my product. Mm -hmm. I want a matte black PCB inside my product. Mm -hmm. You know, apart from the people in my company, I've never seen anyone stand up to their company to fight over a color of PCB. But you know what it says about the person? Mm -hmm. He is thinking about it. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. He's thinking everything around that product. And it's not his job. Just mm-hmm. so you know, it's not his job to design the PCB and manufacture the PCB. Mm-hmm. But he's standing for his principles. Mm-hmm. Saying that, I have to be different or we have to choose the best, what looks the best. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up pursuing them and then, you know, they said yes. Mm-hmm. But rarely people do that. Mm-hmm. It's like an IT person trying to tell that, no, these computers suck. All of these computers suck and we need this, this, this configuration. I'm telling you, this is the best. Mm-hmm then you start realizing what oh, this guy is something different mm-hmm. not because he has knowledge but because he's applying his knowledge across the product mm-hmm. so so how do you gauge that like let's say if we were in an interview right, right? you only have so many minutes with someone how do you how do you gauge that uh, yeah how, how would you get to that story right yeah basically the how thought process you, yeah that, okay this is the one right so one of the things is when you say that you have few minutes with somebody mm-hmm. uh, usually when, once you start talking to them you realize whether these few minutes are going to be few hours or just okay. few minutes mm-hmm. the people who are really passionate about their what, what they do right mm-hmm. they, they are so they're always shuffling from one place to another mm-hmm. you know I remember some of the students that were in my class while I was studying IITs and everything and there was this guy who we had a really hard problem. He took three days to solve it. 
and he solved it with a method that even the teacher did not know because he kept shuffling kept shuffling in trying to find out the answer so what we do is we just put up these crazy questions in front of them hmm. and see if uh, they can come up with these really creative solutions uh, is this on the spot or is yeah, it on the spot okay if you're good right mm-hmm. you're good i mean you don't have to turn on a button you're good very interesting so could you give me an example like of what one of those questions could be um so i would purposely create questions that so they are usually technical questions mm-hmm. but i would purposely create them in a manner which would either be the answer would be that this cannot be done mm-hmm. or this could be done but we have to do six things Hmm. Okay. When they tell me that this cannot be done, I ask them why. It just sounds like a very simple problem, and then they say something fundamentally correct. Hmm. And the person who's trying to find out six, seven solutions, he's trying to create a creative loop of answers hmm. through which he can reach to the end goal. Hmm. Both people are good. Okay. Then you talk about why they want, like, what do they want with their life? Hmm. How did their journey start? Hmm. Why they end up in this specific role? Hmm. Right, and given so, I usually ask them, if I gave you a million dollars, what you would be doing right now? Hmm. And some people usually don't have answers hmm. because they're so consumed in their work, hmm. or so much focused on their work. They're like, I don't know what I'll do, but yeah. And so I asked him. So other question that I ask him. So if they're product people, I ask them, give me three products that. if there was no cost barrier you would buy right now mm-hmm. as a product people you would know because you would research about new products mm-hmm. you would learn about new so again this comes to the first point which is unlimited thirst of knowledge mm-hmm. when was the last time you learned something new and if the answer is more than a month mm-hmm. then it means that you're not focusing on your craft which is learning so there's a lot of these points and the thing is it it most people think of interview as a binary thing what's your name ashutosh <laughs> where are you from <laughs> tell me something about yourself yeah tell me something about yourself uh-huh. and it, it's like finding a friend hmm you don't ask your friend uh, tell me about something about yourself you ask them you know what was it like growing up mm-hmm. in your town mm-hmm. i've never heard about this town mm-hmm. is it big is it small mm-hmm. they open up Mm-hmm. and then you can go into the phases of their life and try to understand what they did there mm-hmm. and it's a very exhaustive process mm-hmm. because when once you have that people around you mm-hmm. you would know everything about them their mm-hmm. likes their dislikes i know i know people which sports they play mm-hmm. what was their best score at that game and when was that game played mm-hmm. because it helps me understand how competitive they are how well they gel with the other people mm. whether he's a loner or whether he's a team player mm. both are good actually mm. so it it's a very intellectually so that um, people do ask me while on on the conversation are you really interested in me mm. like are you writing these down or you are just asking me because you have to mm. like i want to know you you can mm. call me after 6 months tell me your name I'll be probably be hitting the right zones on the answers. Hmm. So, because this is, I don't know why, but 
वी हैव क्रिएटेड हायरिंग एज अ वेरी पेनफुल जॉब बॉडी मीन पेन सो it it is very structured like there has to be some creative outlet for mm. the hr as well as the employee mm. to understand and to be friends with each other like not just be friends but to have a intellectual conversation mm. you know what you know why podcasts and all these things are hitting up now mm. because people don't seem to have really good intellectual conversations mm. and if you talk to someone intellectually either they will appreciate you for that mm. or they will say that this is not for me and if they say this is not for me you know this is not for me as well mm. so you have to be always intellectually on to find the guy who is always intellectually on mm. so that, that that is a very basic trait that we are looking for like he has to be some sort of an artist in himself mm. that he can go over his work over and over again Mm. before giving the final piece and he should be ready to for it to be rejected mm. or accepted mm. in either case he will be happy because that was the best he did mm. and it's a very very excruciating process to go through that journey of redoing over and over again mm. so we changed the product at least 8 to 10 times since we started mm. some people who you know came uh as as the first second employees they left the companies because they were tired and we did not know how to interview right people mm. then actually we started interviewing right people mm. i have people in my company who work 16 17 hours a day really yes and they do it with lot of love they never mm. tell me that dude you are not here i am working here you know mm. he is happy doing what he is doing Mm. and there are people like that it's just that we settle for less mm. and in hiring we have a clear uh, understanding we have to hire without compromise mm. so whether he wants a 3x hike or a 4x hike mm. whatever he wants if he's the one then he's the one yeah. simple that and the yeah and the important thing is then comes the the, the last part is the greed part mm. so as a company we understand whether the candidate is actually greedy or not mm. greedy for <sighs> see you you're looking for a bunch of purist in our in your company at, at least i am mm. okay what happens is there are people who would ace all of these interviews very well mm. and then you will ask them what's their motivation in life mm. why are they changing their jobs mm. you know what is it that they want from the next job or next job or next job after that mm-hmm. and uh, you ask them what you want so let's say that you ask them what salary you're looking for and they say 30 lakhs 40 lakhs okay do you think if we can give you 30 lakhs would you be able to join our company mm-hmm. and their answer in that case if they actually you know if the conversation was really good their answer should be yeah i mean i like i love your company because we don't get to this question until they mm-hmm. say that i love your company i would love to work for it mm-hmm. so if they say that i'll have to think about it or do something about it mm-hmm. at that point of time we either think that they're going to research about us mm-hmm. which is okay or they're going to f- look from other offers mm-hmm. there is nothing to research because we have opened up all the pages of our books in front of them before we started the interview mm-hmm. so 
then it becomes, so that is the most trickiest part to understand whether how people are motivated whether they are motivated by money plus work mm-hmm. or just work mm-hmm. because ideally you want to have people who are just motivated by work mm-hmm. that keeps the profit in, intact Mm-hmm. and if they're motivated for work plus money that means that you would have to go through this excruciating process mm-hmm. to find another replacement for this guy mm-hmm. although he's good but you'll have to go through this process so maybe you go through this process currently mm-hmm. and see if you can find a better fit than this guy mm-hmm. because most of our employees that have been with are with like four years plus now mm-hmm. since the inception of the company mm-hmm. and they have been working consistently 10, 12 to 14 hours every day for mm. last 4 years wow and even if i ask them to change the product now they're like okay let's go for it mm. because there are people like this it's just that we believe that there are no people like this because this is a very logical world mm. not really so where do you come in as as the boss or as the co-founder right like what is your role in this entire process to keep them going like one is finding these people so now you've let's say found 100 such people that are working under you now what all do you make sure that you do from your end that enables them to keep on doing this day in and day out like are are there things that you consciously put your effort into it could be like when i first came in you mentioned that you have a kitchen and you make food for everyone right so they don't have to think about where they're getting their food from yes. are there other such things that you uh, think about and you put your effort into that make sure that your employees are only focusing that their main thing is the only main thing yeah um interesting um inter- interesting that you asked this question so as 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 one of the founders my main role is to get people on board second to help them understand what company is all about because most companies are driven by the fact that they want to launch a product faster mm-hmm. my company is focused on launching a product that's the best version of itself mm. and probably in the in the total market mm. okay because there is no, we are we are hitting for the best not for the second third fourth best because there is nothing such as second best mm. okay at least because that's something that i can do Mm-hmm. so we help them understand what we are trying to do here how we are different from all the organizations that you have been to mm-hmm. one of our people told us that in order to get a access to an equipment they used to write letters mm-hmm. which used to take 2 to 3 days mm-hmm. and then they used to come back and give them the permission this is how a big multinational corporate works mm-hmm. over here it's a complete open playground mm-hmm. the the whole point of keeping organization this way is if they want something they can get it they have my credit cards open credit cards mm-hmm. they want to order something they can order it they don't have to tell me they don't mm-hmm. have to explain anyone mm-hmm. they have that kind of freedom mm-hmm. they have that kind of freedom because i know how they are you selected the, the right people yeah. exactly yeah. that's when knowing who you are what your mm-hmm. interests are you know what your best score at cricket was mm-hmm. is important because i know i can depend on you mm-hmm. so they have multiples of credit cards and if they don't work they can get next credit card and they just have a list of credit cards that they can use anytime mm-hmm. that's one if they ask me for something specifically i make sure that i drop everything and be at their service to make sure that they are not disturbed mm-hmm. so be it ordering bazillions of food in office mm. whatever that they want they can choose from it 
mm. they do that if they want to stay at our place because they have been working for very long mm. they can stay there is a guy in our office who comes 45 kilometers every day up and down mm. 90 kilometers mm. and sometimes he is working for 14 15 hours he is like i would like to rest at your house like it's open just come and sleep mm. the the thing is you have to be at the service of your employees because mm. they are really great Mm-hmm. yeah i mean i can understand why mnc's don't do it because mm-hmm. their employees are usually crappy because they are hiring somebody for something that they actually don't want to do in the first place mm-hmm. so that becomes a hard proposition and i i can feel to it mm-hmm. but when you have really good people who love what they are doing you should just watch them mm-hmm. because that's a, another level of euphoria mm-hmm. so that's what i usually do and uh important thing is to talk to the consumers understand what's going in the market mm. figure out what the problem is mm. bring the problem to the employees and they'll figure out the solution mm. and you have to just make sure that if they are trying to get on second third path which is let's say it is not beautifully designed or if it is not too thoughtfully designed mm. i would ask them to think again about it mm. so one of the things that we have is our switch boards Mm-hmm. Uh, we are calling it smart boards mm-hmm. um our smart boards are equipped with motion sensors okay okay there are two reasons for that mm-hmm. first is in the night when you're coming you don't usually get to see the switches mm-hmm. which is a hard problem so what most of our, most of these large companies have done is it will always keep showing a night light which is a light which will always be on mm-hmm. okay whether you are in the room not in the room whether you're out of the country mm-hmm. it will always keep on mm-hmm. second is security in general in our houses has has is is not up to that level mm-hmm. so we thought that security sensor like a motion sensor would be a great addition to the product mm-hmm. so now what we have done is and you took you, to just to give an idea it took 3 to 6 months to realize this mm-hmm. that every time you walk into the room mm-hmm. just when you walk into the room the leds on the products mm-hmm. would glow at their minimum intensity Mm. to tell you where exactly the button is mm. and when you press them or you know after 10 20 seconds they just go off mm. this is only possible when you have a person who's thinking about it that thoughtfully mm. that it need not to be turned on when you're not in the room mm. it's not about the wastage you know mm. it's about drawing that right bird mm. it might look like an v but you will still give it wings Mm-hmm. because it should be it it's the true form of art so mm-hmm. we could have gone with cheaper solutions or cheaper implementations but the idea is to build something that we can be proud of mm-hmm. and our customers were blown away when they walked into the room and they saw the smart board light up as they were walking towards it mm-hmm. and it's some of the product experiences that we have built and right mm-hmm. are just so magical that you have to experience it to understand that how thoughtful it is mm-hmm. so that's why so when employees uh, when somebody thinks that thoughtfulness is not the right way to go i just tell them no this is the way you have to think about it mm-hmm. we can't go for the cheapest solution out there mm-hmm. we have to go for the most sophisticated one if you are going to make something you should be making something that we can be proud of mm-hmm. so that other people can be proud of it as well it's very interesting so i have this question like a while ago but then we kind of pivoted but so in in all of your companies right 
how do you approach clients like how do you approach people uh, to instill that faith that okay you are the one that can get things done obviously if you have such a conversation that we are having right now like i i want to buy that buy your switchboard right because i believe in what you are doing um but if let's say you are you are a small company and you mentioned that you were working with banks and you were working with all of these other big organizations for your algorithm yeah. how do you approach them and what do you say when you approach them because like in my head approaching like a, a corporate entity seems to be very uh, one daunting and two like it's unknown i don't know what to do do i book an appointment or like like do i just show up like what do i do how do i propose that that value proposition to them that hey you know i have something that you will you will find useful okay so let's start with this do you feel do you have do you have something that is that will that they will find very useful are you sure about that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you are pick one company first okay okay understand who you want to reach out to so for example in my case when i was marketing i realized that there are i did not know who would manage what mm-hmm. right i knew the company owner manages everything mm-hmm. right so what i did is um so in my case i knew who i was reaching out to because i know this is the person who would be who would be affected by the solution that i'm going to give mm-hmm. whether it's going to save them money or visibility or whatever it is mm-hmm. because he is the owner of the company mm-hmm. so i write i wrote an email in plain simple words what do we do what can we give you mm-hmm. what is the guarantee mm-hmm. and we don't charge you until you see that value mm-hmm. even if we charge you it is just for a test run you can do it if if it if it creates a blip on your growth mm-hmm. you can keep doing it mm-hmm. okay then i take that message and most people tell me that you know they are not able to find clients i used to send 500 emails every day mm-hmm. to get five calls out of those four five calls i probably used to close three to four mm-hmm. okay but i kept doing those 500 500 numbers every day mm-hmm. and i was closing three to four clients almost every second third day mm-hmm. okay the rule is simple again maybe you don't know the scale of the world mm-hmm. i i i always think this is true to some extent because you're so small you you have not seen the world and this is one of the things that i feel that i should have experienced if i've gone for a, to work in an mnc or some sort of thing because they have some structures mm-hmm. you get to understand how big the life could be mm-hmm. because it's just so big company and there are so hundreds of these but when you're starting as an entrepreneur you just don't know how big the world is so you have to assume that it is too big mm-hmm. too big for you to even appear on mm-hmm. okay it's like that radar and you are too small of a signal to be detected on that radar mm-hmm. so what you have to do is you have to blip every time you can mm-hmm. so i kept on emailing them reaching out on linkedin if i found their number i messaged them did everything until they blocked me or they said we don't want their services which is okay if they blocked me i can use another email and then send it out the same services as long as i genuinely felt mm-hmm. that the product that we had was going to help them on some level mm-hmm. they had to try it themselves to understand whether it, it would be profitable to them or not mm-hmm. but i knew that i had something good for them mm-hmm. it could be a me to service in in a case of me to service you just 
there there is no way around it you can tell them that there are multiple uh, competitors who are trying to serve you the same same product but what i can assure you is something so so you know in 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 businesses you can always give your time mm-hmm. they will always appreciate it mm-hmm. so like in office meetings skype calls 12 by 7 uh, reporting or something i'll always be at your disposal only a call away mm-hmm. and you can tell them that i'll be having a team of people work specifically on this project and what not and you you just have to be very transparent to them you can mm-hmm. exaggerate i would always tell you to exaggerate anything that you can mm-hmm. i was selling when i was 18 mm-hmm. i used to keep my beards long mm-hmm. which was not a lot and then i used to wear a lengthy clothes mm-hmm. um papa shirts mm-hmm. to appear as if i am 21 or 22 mm-hmm. because they would not take so <laughs> a multi lakh order they would not give to a person who is 18 hmm. because they wouldn't believe him so i went through that process hmm. is this that you you have to keep exaggerating and you should know your craft hmm. when i used to talk they used to listen hmm. and you keep telling them so i was the best at uh, of at my craft at when i was pitching that that particular service hmm. nobody knew that service better than me and that was the end of discussion hmm. anyone who could an question something i had an answer to it because i literally studied it inside out hmm so if you know the question paper right you can always write the answers properly so think about that so again we couldn't get your other ventures oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay let, let me just go through it so one is next home which mm-hmm. specializes in creating beautifully designed home products mm-hmm. second is next labs mm-hmm. which is india's uh, best and uh, not just india i think asia's uh, top 3 aso agencies mm-hmm. uh, specifically focused on play store and app store mm-hmm. okay can you tell me what the full form of aso is it's app store optimization okay okay and mm-hmm. uh, the third one is called as phono mm-hmm. so it's called as phono technologies mm-hmm. the um think of phono as a sales person that you can hire mm-hmm. but you only pay them when they make a sale okay. so let's say that i have a digital product mm-hmm. okay let's say i have an app let's say mm-hmm. and i want to get 10000 installations mm-hmm. from germany mm-hmm. so i can run it on google facebook or mm-hmm. some campaigns right they will charge me when the install is done Mm-hmm. there are other ways of doing it which is we can go to an affiliate marketing company which mm-hmm. is phono mm-hmm. affiliate marketing is basically somebody who does sales on behalf of you mm-hmm. it could be sales it could be actions it could be anything yeah. so you tell that company that you know i am willing to pay you 10 rupees per installation mm-hmm. i need 10000 installations in germany mm-hmm. you take care of the rest mm-hmm. they said okay if we give you 10000 installations you pay us this amount of money that's mm-hmm. it if you have a e-commerce product let's say that mm-hmm. you have a uh, airports to sell mm-hmm. okay and then you tell them that we'll pay you 2000 rupees per sale but the product sell is uh, the product cost uh, the selling price is 25000 rupees mm-hmm. so every time you sell one product we give you 2000 rupees mm-hmm. like okay we can sell you 10000 pieces of that mm-hmm. that's what phono does okay okay the need for this came uh, when the companies wanted to so these same companies they wanted to scale faster Mm-hmm. so organic has limitations because there are only limited number of people who are searching for flight booking app mm-hmm. rest of the people are going to desktop mm-hmm. so you need newer channels to get newer audiences mm-hmm. 
So Phono started with the idea that let's say Amazon is looking for 1 million downloads. Mm-hmm. We can give them 1 million downloads through our networks. Mm-hmm. Let's just approach Amazon and get this order done. Okay. This is an example. So, so, that so is what do you mean networks? Like what does a network mean? Great. Um, so internet, like when you, when you think of internet, there are definitely two big players, which is Facebook and Google. Mm-hmm. The other, the actual people who run their ads are the people who are running blogs mm-hmm. or they have developed some apps in which they show you ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So what happens is Google takes a bit of cut from them, which is 30%, 40% mm-hmm. on every sale. Mm-hmm. Or they show ads, and but they don't pay you per conversion. They just mm-hmm. pay you per view mm-hmm. or you know CPM, which is called mm-hmm. as, like how many impressions were there in 1000 and mm-hmm. how many clicks Engagement, were there. interaction, yeah. all of that. So these people are also willing to work on a direct-to-direct basis that this is a product. Mm-hmm. I can write about this product. Mm-hmm. I can send them to some website. If they buy it, I get 80% or 90% of the revenue mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. So whatever profit that Phono makes, they share it with these uh, network partners mm-hmm. and uh, that's how it works. So basically uh, also when you're an app developer, right? So there are 10 slots to be filled for ads, let's say. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are filled by Google or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to go for InMobi and sometimes you have to find third party partners mm-hmm. to fill those 10 slots is basically Mm -hmm. if user is 10 minutes on your app and you're showing one app one ad every minute Mm -hmm. google might give you five facebook might give you three but you still want to monetize the other two Mm -hmm. so you take it from your partners okay partners could be phono or other networks in between Mm -hmm. and somebody generates the demand Mm -hmm. and somebody else fulfills the demand Mm -hmm. and that's how you complete the cycle okay so that became phono Mm. Okay, and they also you know been working with Amazon and a lot of other companies, and they've been fulfilling their requirements from their sources basically mm. across the world, not mm. just India. Then, when we were starting, so when Next Home was going parallelly, Phono was going parallelly, Mechanic was parallelly, Next Labs was parallelly. Mm. They started another company called as Harmond. So Harmond is a is a new age advertising company. Mm. What it does is. We have around f- mm, close to 50 million SMEs in India, mm-hmm. which is small business. Small, medium enterprise. Yeah. yeah. And those are not that small. Like they're earning crores and crores of rupees every year. Mm-hmm. So think about this. We have a company in Gujarat, which makes their own cold drinks, but mm-hmm. nobody knows about them mm-hmm. because they haven't been able to brandify them on a glo- on, as per the global standard mm-hmm. so what Harman does is they are reaching out to these tier 3, tier 3, tier 4 companies which are doing really good they have the potential to be the next billion dollar company mm-hmm. but because their brand is like Arihant Resorts mm-hmm. Okay. now you might think Arihant Resort is a normal name but that guy owns 50 resorts mm-hmm. but the name and the logo is just Arihant Resorts. Mm. So then those people, so we, we reach out to them and we tell them that the difference between a great brand and a normal brand is how users perceive you. Mm. So that's where Harman came into the picture. They specifically worked on improving how they look because they have already nailed how they work properly. Mm. 
so that's where the story of harman came into the picture okay so how do you divide your time among all of these ventures do you divide your time or do you only focus on one thing at a time so for uh, initially we have to put some time because you want to know who your customers are mm-hmm. you want to know what the process is mm-hmm. and you have to build the product as well you have to infuse what the ethos of those uh, this company is mm-hmm. okay once you do that you can hire people okay who do to, that for you who do that for us mm-hmm. and then they can hire other people because they have that kind of autonomy okay so initially uh I was focusing and my other founders were also focusing on so many things. Mm-hmm. I've cut down my focus to next home because we are just about to launch now. Mm-hmm. And for all the other products, mm-hmm. we either run, you know, marketing campaigns online or offline or, and we keep hiring people who are good enough to support them. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have been able to be, you know, we have been bootstrapped for the last 7 years or so. Mm-hmm. And we have run a hardware company like a hardware company and prototyping for 3 to 4 years is so expensive that companies usually shut after one year mm-hmm. and we have been able to do that for 4 years because we put all of our profits into one company because mm-hmm. we know that switchboard in its volume mm-hmm. is a huge market mm-hmm. and we f- we genuinely feel that it is a important problem for a lot of people out there mm-hmm. to have the best switchboard experience they possibly can Mm-hmm. because if it if you're going to get something for 10 years why wouldn't it be the best yeah. it shouldn't be the best uh, why uh. Mm. yeah makes a lot of sense i feel like tonkyo we keep coming back to the idea of having the right people around you it could be in terms of your co-founders it could be in terms of your employees and if you can nail that then i feel like everything else becomes so much easier because yes. you have that initial foundation in terms of uh support right like it could be technical support it could be like just that bolstered foundation that helps you propel forward yeah i think people see the the only thing that does not have a potent like has unlimited potential are humans but you have to find the right humans who can help push forward the other set of humans Mm. For example, my father might not be a mobile engineer or embedded engineer or a manufacturing guy, but with the help of somebody who's working in China or in USA, he got a phone, and his life is so much better now mm. because of few chosen people. Mm. So this usually is the case. People drive people forward, mm. and we tend to forget those people because that's they just. wrap around in that company name and then mm-hmm. they are forgotten but they know what they did they have a satisfaction a deep feeling of satisfaction of what they did mm-hmm. sometimes you would see that if you make something really bad mm-hmm. like some of the initial people of facebook right mm-hmm. when they left facebook they were like we made something inherently devil mm-hmm. and we feel somehow responsible for what's going on in the world mm-hmm. similarly when something good happens right people who worked on it day and night they mm-hmm. feel so good when you're holding an iphone because the first team worked on it day and day night mm-hmm. when they see you using this iphone today they still feel good because you know that's how it all started mm-hmm. 
So, in terms of Tesla, when you are driving an electric vehicle, mm-hmm. which is based on let's say autopilot or so, mm-hmm. a engineer who actually originally worked on the autopilot idea and who you have been inspired from to put into the new product, mm-hmm. he, they would always feel at peace. Mm-hmm. because they were not after the money at all like you need money to sustain yourself mm-hmm. but more than that you need some sort of everlasting inner happiness mm-hmm. life is hard and if your work makes it easier you keep doing that yeah. very true very true uh i think we can end it here sure man it's, it's been almost 2 hours i think uh it has been great talking to you uh I I was really looking forward to the conversation and uh, it was every bit as worth it as I expected. Oh, that's great. Uh, and I really hope that we have a part 2 to this. Um, I mean sure man it's just that um next time we'll do it sometime on Sunday or so. Yeah yeah sure yeah. any time yeah because um, right now the thing is I have to leave today somewhere. Mhm. And uh, I have to give a sort of a I I have to make sure for the next 3 4 days mm-hmm. no fuck ups happen mm-hmm. so I have to make sure that I tell everyone in my team mm-hmm. what we are supposed to be doing yeah in terms of what values to hold up to yeah because sometimes they're so creative monkeys they'll create something mm-hmm. which is so destructive in itself that you have to redo things like it's like it's like playing all the time mm-hmm. so sometimes you just have to be there and tell them this is enough of playing let's hmm. do less less playing hmm. so keep in check so if it goes on the weekends or anything like that right hmm. so i'm at least feeling not scared that something might go off hmm. and there was this one of your questions like i would actually like to answer that hmm. you said that has something horribly gone yeah. wrong yeah in the in while making any of our products mm-hmm. so i was actually thinking about it and turns out that we were testing these products so actually there are three issues with in general the switchboard industry the first is that they are not convenient at all mm-hmm. like in a digital age you just you just can't expect something to be that old like you don't send telegram these days honestly mm-hmm. not on mobile but on the literal telegram <laughs> so the second thing is that they can't tell you exactly how your energy consumption has been mm. about that we were testing india's number one number one i'm saying mm. company who makes bulbs mm. and we were testing it against a startup mm. and it, uh, it turned out that the startup was consuming 30% less energy mm. while giving 40% more brightness okay and the other company which is supposed to be the mnc was consuming so much higher current mm-hmm. that you as a person would not know mm-hmm. and that is what it these switchboards can't tell you the energy meter will tell you that you have to be depressed now because <laughs> your bill is so high uh-huh. but you just don't know where it went right? where it's going yeah like if i'm in my room let's say you are you are living at a parents house and there are three four rooms you exactly know how much each room is contributing mm-hmm. each appliance is contributing mm-hmm. and if you see that this light although it is the same capacity at, at as your brother's room's light mm-hmm. it is consuming twice as more 
Hmm. It's better to replace this hmm. than to keep using this forever. Yeah. Because there is a lot of invisible vampires in your house hmm. that you just don't know of. Hmm. And they keep sucking the energy of your electricity bills just because you can't see them. Hmm. So that becomes really important when it comes to switchboard. And the third one was we have these expensive gadgets lying around all the time. Hmm. And we don't, and to be honest, we don't have the best electrical architecture in the world. Hmm. We might get there very soon, but we don't have it right now. Hmm. So there are surges, there are, you know, um, higher current, higher loads, higher voltages that keep coming in our house hmm. without us being, uh, without we have, without being noticed. Hmm. And whenever your devices are connected to them, they just simply burn off, their chargers would de- deteriorate over the period of time. Hmm. Because you would see that the charger's life is okay one year, maybe it would burn. Hmm. But you don't actually know what what actually made it burn in the first place hmm. or deteriorate the health of the product. Hmm. So we know exactly what uh, voltage your refrigerator is supposed to be using hmm. and what you're actually supplying to it. Hmm. And if it reacts uncertain, that means something is wrong. Hmm. So you get to understand how the products around you behave, hmm. like quite literally. And the, the third one is the safety part. So what happened is we thought international solutions would work in India. Hmm. So we took the best companies who are protecting against this surge and spikes. Hmm. We put there, we understood, we understood how they work. We created our version and we tested it. Hmm. We tested across our house. There were like at least 20 devices and this is about six, seven months ago. Hmm. And all of them failed at once in one night when there was heavy rain here hmm. and then there was some short circuit in the short circuit or something in the transformer. Hmm. So it, it, it sent us a huge wave of uh, huge voltage wave which was not as high as it was supposed to be. Hmm. It was not more of a surge but hmm. more of a sustained voltage but at higher current. Hmm. Okay, It burned all of our devices. Okay. And that's where we realize an Indian problem has to have an Indian solution. Mm. So now what we have integrated is completely India-based, based on the architecture of Indian uh, system, how electricity is supplied and what problems go around it. So now we can probably say that, you know, whatever happens, your devices will always be safe. Okay. Because we know exactly at what point this Mac fails. Mm what point your charger fails, what point your TV fails, what point your refrigerator fails, Mm -hmm. and we cut off the electricity before it reaches there. Wow. Very interesting. We actually tested a lot of uh, Indian-made products as well, but again, they were using international solutions for a problem that is very local to Indian context, Mm -hmm. which doesn't work.
thoughtful way to think of things. Mm-hmm. You, your product should be solving the problem of the end user and not just the idea, okay, there is a problem, that's yeah, all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, about that, I was not knowing because I, I'm, just, I'm just a shoe collector sort of a guy. Mm-hmm. So, I collect shoes which I really love and which have been associated with some sort of a memory. Mm-hmm. So, I was not knowing about this problem. But again, any problem, right? Um, so, Flipkart, the reason Flipkart got so big is because they understood their people much, much better mm-hmm. than their Amazon-like counterparts. So for example, cash on delivery was such a huge deal to yeah, kickstart the business. I remember this, yeah. yeah. So you cannot have an international solution directly placed like that. Mm-hmm. Some Chinese companies started renting out bikes, mm-hmm. you know, those normal bikes, uh, cycles basically. Mm-hmm. And they did not know that Indians, some, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about all the Indians, but there is certain uh, section of society which would take out the seats, which uh, would take out the tires, yeah. which would throw out the um, cycles in the... In the in the drain itself, hmm. and they'll keep making noises until they run out of battery. Hmm. Okay, so these international companies then say, you know, it's hard to do it in India because hmm. why? Because they're trying to simply copy paste something which used to work there, hmm. and it won't. Yeah. So which is why we believe that you know a product company has to be very grounded hmm. because the higher you fly. Hmm the less you can see the problems of the city. Mm. But you're solving for the city. Mm. So that, that's where I think most of the companies, the, the kind of solutions that they're implementing mm. and the kind of features that they're bringing mm. are something like they, most of the companies that I think, they're like, you know, we have a, we will automate your coffee machine. Mm. Like, I've rarely seen somebody have coffee machines. Mm. Like they have but not too much. But what I also see is some of our customers are using egg-making machines. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you how our customers save some time. Mm-hmm. And you'll be amazed to know some really quirky use cases. Mm-hmm. So what they did is, there are these people who eat eggs in the morning and in the night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they had to come down every day, put eggs in the in that machine Mm -hmm. turn it on put water in and turn it on and then they had to come after 30 minutes and their eggs will be boiled Mm -hmm. so they installed our product and they automated it so basically they will put everything at night Mm -hmm. and they would come in the morning and eggs would be ready now what happened here why did they do it is because they said lot of times I used to not have breakfast Mm -hmm. because I did not have that 30 minutes to wait Mm -hmm. If I, so basically if I, if I leave a single strain out of my morning routine, my mm. whole morn, morning routine gets disturbed mm. to the point that I have to eat outside mm. unhealthy food because mm. I did not have this. Mm. Second, there was this guy who has a personal trainer who comes to his house. Mm. He comes every day at 7.30, mm. stays till 8.30 mm. and then he gets him all sweaty and everything. So mm. what he did is so while training, he can't turn on the geezer. And before starting the training, he can't turn on the geezer. So what he did is he's automated it. That exactly at 8.15 or 8.20, mm-hmm. you start the geezer. Mm-hmm. You turn it off at 8.50 mm-hmm. because that's the time I'll be, I'll, I'll have dabbed myself and I'll mm-hmm. be okay to go into the washroom mm-hmm. and then get the bath. Okay. So now they don't have to wait for that 30 minutes. So they don't have to remember stuff. You see, 
Facebook's co-founder did not uh, doesn't have multiple colored shirts because mm-hmm. he did, doesn't want to make a extra decision. Mm-hmm. Same with Barack Obama, he did not wear any other suit mm-hmm. except special occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day to office, he used to wear the same suit because he he said I'm reducing couple of decisions from my task mm-hmm. list, and look at us keeping hundreds of things in our mind mm-hmm. all the time because mm-hmm. we don't value how that one task decision mm-hmm. will change our life yeah so it 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 is extremely crucial to understand how your time is valued mm-hmm. again the main thing is keep the main thing the main, main thing. thing yes yeah. because that is the only thing that we don't have in life mm-hmm. honestly is your time mm-hmm. So if you keep running these smaller errands over and over again mm. throughout your life, mm. think about the number I said one thousand times a year mm. per switchboard. And if there are four switchboards in your houses mm. that you specifically control, mm. that's four thousand times a year. Mm. That is four thousand decisions that you have to make every year to turn it on or off. Mm. You usually do it on the same time. Mm. So <laughs> there was this another guy who who had a maid mm. who used to come at 5 to 6 in the morning. Okay. And the maid would clean it up. Mm. Okay? But he would she would always left the light running. So mm. she would turn the light on, but she mm. would not Forget turn it, it on. Yeah. yeah. Because she's a, most in time is she's in hurry. Mm. And because of that light, the owner used to wake up. Mm. Because by the time he he has this circadian rhythm that he would wake up at 8 mm. or 9 mm. he would wake up at 7 because the light was on completely mm. then he bought the solution and he said I don't trust this maid I'm mm. going to turn it on for her at 5 mm. turn it on at 6 and I don't care whether she comes in this period or not mm. that's how he automated his life so the thing is sometimes you have to experience a product Mm. To understand the inherent value it brings to the table. Mm. It's like if you have never been in a helicopter, you can't actually value why mm. a helicopter is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that yeah. because I recently got the iPad. Yeah. Right? And uh, I was I was really debating this in my head. Should I get a laptop or should I get an iPad? Because I desperately wanted something where uh, I could do all of my work. Yes. Right? And then I realized that I really don't use my laptop. Um, because you need to keep it on a table, it's really yeah. bulky and it, it, there's only so much of uh, Movement around it. Yeah, convenience. Yeah. Because most of it, like I like to carry it around. Like I have the pen, I like to scribble things, yes. I like to draw things. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I said, you know what, fuck it, let's just do it and then we'll figure it out later. And yeah, I feel like it's the best decision I've made exactly. off late because it, it's just so versatile. Like I can edit on it, I can record on it. Uh, you know the quality is like brilliant for my standards uh, and moreover I can jot down all of my thoughts which I feel like the mind map I sent you exactly right because that to me is very important to like visually kind of represent my thoughts in such a way that I can I can kind of branch off in whichever direction that I want right exactly um, yeah so I mean I, I completely agree that unless you have something or you've experienced it in a certain yeah. way you won't get to realize its inherent value and how important it can be in your life. See, there is a reason why humans strive for the best. 
for their best as well as getting the best mm. because the people who understand what the best means mm. they would design so your ipad is designed in a way to make you feel that you're getting most out of it mm. right they have been designed by the best engineers out there best designers out there mm. similarly when you buy the best product of any category right you would understand why it is good mm. only when you use it because the yeah. difference between a crappy product and a really great product from the looks of it might not be that much just mm. the experience the experience yeah right? so you just can't beat a great product on experience mm. I, mean, i would assume that you are amazed by the kind of software fluidity that it has mm. how everything is arranged into the software itself whereas mm. all the android phones look like as they are from 90s or 80s mm. so that is the kind of you know difference a best product com- brings with them Mm. So that's what our throughout this period the only focus that has been is to make a single word that this is the best switchboard out there. Mm. And there's nothing that even comes close to it. Mm. And that is the path that like once we launch this maybe there'll be the best light that's out there, mm. the best tube light out there. Mm. We took we we spent a year on getting the socket done a wow. uh, ear you know why because i don't like those holes on the front mm. i hate them why does it need to show holes mm. why can't somebody think of something else which is more much more elegant mm. you can but you have to stop thinking that you can take it for granted mm. so we completely redesigned the socket like completely now mm. we have this single socket mm. which can hold 16 amperes mm. 6 amperes 10 amperes in one plug mm. it can hold uk uk us uk canada uh, singapore japan all these sockets in one socket mm. but the pain excruciating mm. because it's a hard problem to solve mm. but then it's worth to solve because now i can say proudly that we have the most beautiful looking uh, socket out there mm. even if it's just socket mm. because it's just is mm. you can't argue that so it's the epitome of minimalism mm. i'll show you after we are done with podcast mm. and you will get to understand why i'm saying that definitely i'm i'm I was definitely very disappointed that I couldn't beta test uh, oh, yeah. the product. Yeah, I mean I understand what you were saying. There were some additional this thing, but I was I was genuinely looking forward to it because off late I have uh, gotten like over the past couple of years I've slowly gotten my parents into this whole technology thing. Right. So now they also have tablets, and uh, I remember even up until my college years we didn't have Wi-Fi. Oh, because my parents were were very skeptical about it. Exactly. And, you know, someone can steal it. And um, yeah, especially your father is from uh, Air Force, right? Friends, yeah. yeah. And so even my mom, like, she's like, no, no, someone can steal it. Yeah. Um, but again, like, once you start using it, then you start to realize that it's it's so important and becomes such an integ- integral part of your I'll, life. I'll tell you how how you can um, how can you actually put it into a context. when they first introduced debit cards people mm. did not take credit a uh, debit cards mm. they were like if somebody stole it yeah all my money is gone mm. it's just a four digit password mm. they did not take it for so long 
Then we got accustomed to debit cards. Then came net banking. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, no, 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 no. I yeah. cannot activate this. Anyone can steal my password and everything. True. And, you know, it would happen. Then came UPI. I'm like, no, no, I would not get the UPI done. It is directly linked to my mobile. It will come OTP. They'll mm-hmm. read it and they'll do this. Someone sees my same, then exactly. my UPI is gone. Yeah. But the thing is, um, obviously, the companies who are running this, they have to make sure that Consumers are always protected. Um, but on the second part is, as humans, we strive for two things that I, I personally feel. One is inherent comfort. Mm-hmm. You can put a person into any comfortable environment and you can put him into even further comfortable environment and he will enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Second thing is that you should have time for things that you love. So it could be a family, it could be a work. And as a human, you value those things inherently. Nobody can take it that from you. Okay. So, as technology gets into your life, you have to decide whether it is saving you time, it is saving you troubles or not. If it is, if it is saving you time and if it is saving you troubles, then I think it should be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Because... But again, you won't be able to decide that unless you try it. You have to try it. I mean, I mean you have to try the best things in the world. And mm-hmm. not just because we make the best thing. I'm just telling you, go towards any category. Mm-hmm. Check the best product. Mm-hmm. There is a whole group of people who just don't settle for less. Mm-hmm. Who won't compromise on design. Who won't compromise on functionality. They just yeah. want the bloody best. I, I have a very interesting example here. Um, so in office, right... Back when office was open, uh, we had these very fancy looking, like very comfortable chairs that we yeah. used to sit on for like hours at an end and, exactly. and you would still feel like very it's, good. yeah, you're not exhausted. Yeah. Um, and I had never seen those chairs before. Exactly. Uh, and I think after the pandemic started, I stumbled upon one of these chairs on like a website or something, on Reddit only, I think. And uh, these, it's from a company called Herman Miller. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's a company called Herman Miller, right? And uh, each chair that we had on the website, the cost is quoted at around 70k. 70k a piece. Now, looking back, had I known about the price, my first instant reaction would have been, Are nahi bro. This is overpriced. No point. Who makes that chair? 500 rupees, I'll get one plastic chair. But having sat in that chair for like whatever those one year, eight, nine months, right? I realized that, fuck man, that shit is worth it. Like, that shit is worth for like 10 years. And the, they have warranty for like 10 years. They have worth 70k. So, yeah. <laughs> and and then, that's when I realized, ki, fuck man, like when something is expensive, yes, there are some things that are just hyped. Right? Like, at least I would say, ki, shit like Louis Vuitton or, or other things. I mean, I don't know, I've never tried them, but they're really hyped. Right? But... There are some of these other things like let's say like an iPad or like that chair or maybe like a table. Things that you use day in a mattress. Like my yes. philosophy is I don't oh, compromise on mattress because my sleep is very important. Um, but those are the things where you should not think about the price. Like because the, like like buying a really good shoe for yeah, everyday life. Yeah. You should which, not skimp on that. Yeah. Which is... Again, like you said, it's enhancing your experience of something. It can yeah. be experience of life. It can be experience of playing basketball. It can be experience of of whatever. I recently actually had another 
conversation about the same very thing with with someone else and and he said the same thing yeah i don't compromise on experiences because my question to him was when so as a college student right you're constantly broke uh you're constantly thinking of finding finding new ways to get a little more money and then go ahead and drink it all away yeah um so and then once you start you get into a job but once you start getting earning a little money then you get into a, at least i got into a dilemma right so how do i do i spend my money on things that i've always wanted or do i save it because to me saving is very binary yes either you save it or you don't, don't. like there's no in saving in half that doesn't work but spe- so it's not like you don't know how to save because like saving is easy don't spend yeah but you need to learn how to spend, spend. it yeah. right because that's the difficult part like deciding when you should buy what is it worth it how how is it going to give me some sort of a, a return long term right return doesn't mean in monetary yeah, yeah, but, return but, but, but like i'm sort. sitting on a chair yeah. if i have good shoes if i have uh, if i go on a vacation that gives Basically, me it won't give me pain yeah it won't it's not pain. like a null investment yeah right um and and from there he said ki okay like to me i invest in experiences Exactly. so like he was talking about an apartment like i uh, my my thought process and my mind is my uh, best asset and i want to protect it in the right environment so to me having the right house no matter how expensive it is it's very important right i don't invest in clothes but i invest in these other things that complement me and my thought process which i found was very interesting it because is. because to me i i sometimes really struggle with should i go and buy that unnecessary t-shirt which i know i will never never use um or should i you know go go visit my friend and you know just have fun with him which i know i will always cherish so that those like uh struggles of of my life but but yeah like i i really like i can understand that sentiment and and i resonate with it that experiences can really enhance your way of living right see you you'll be living what 70 years in total you mm-hmm. already left 2025 in your in your parent at your parents money right yeah after that the li- life is all open to you mm-hmm. so i had this friend here so i used to buy this 200 300 400 rupees t-shirts and shirts mm-hmm. multiple times a year mm-hmm. and he would buy a one single expensive shirt one, and one it'll sing- last you yeah i no, completely yeah, agree he yeah. would buy just one or two and he'll wear it all the time mm-hmm. and then be like that my understanding was see i'm looking new every day and mm-hmm. he's like i'm feeling good every day mm-hmm. so the feeling so very few people can understand that good experience brings a sense of satisfaction like yeah. once you have a painting in your room right it's not that how expensive that painting is it's what that painting means to you mm-hmm. how it makes you feel exactly mm-hmm. so that's how products usually are but in this mass custom in this mass manufacturing age mm-hmm. right we have been bombarded and told that you know buy the cheapest one mm-hmm. like there is a guy who makes bonsai scissor, uh, scissors in japan yeah. he makes he makes 30000 dollars mm-hmm. worth of scissor yeah i got the same in china for about 1000 rupees mm-hmm. the difference is the first 100 times are good when you're talking about a life Line, lifetime of a product that you'll mm-hmm. use forever it should make you feel good every single time mm-hmm. and that's the thought that I have first thing when I go to my office I'm like this thought has to be preserved every day 
every single day that we build products that people look at and say you know i feel proud to own these guys mm-hmm. and it's an amazing feeling i i can't take the feeling of owning a ipad from you mm-hmm. because it's you know inherently even if i take the apple logo off or even if i take everything off you know you have you have a good product in your hand yeah very true so it's people think that people buy apple or dyson or any such high quality product because of their brand actually it's the opposite mm-hmm. even when you're using it right you can forget which company made it but yeah. the sheer luxury of that product in your hand is is a different world altogether mm-hmm. and that's why they're like this dyson is the best company that i look forward to yeah and yeah. apple is the personal um, appliances category that i look forward to like these mm. two are really great and there are other co- companies as well in this space like harman miller makes really good chairs mm. but yeah you, you can always find a cheaper option but it's just like ads okay Let, let's circle back it to the first conversation mm. itself it's like when you're buying a product from a company who sells it for cheap you're either trading you're trading something it's like making a deal with a yeah, devil yeah so when you're buying good products mm. you're trading a part of your time that you earned money with mm. with that uh, with that with that transaction mm. but when you buy a cheaper product you are trading with information and your data in case of uh, digital assets yes but in case of products you're trading painfulness in your future around mm. that product mm for that cheap price for that specific cheap price mm-hmm. so you have to realize whether you want to have perpetually bad experiences with the product mm-hmm. and save money or you want to have a consistently good experience with the product mm-hmm. and give them the money mm-hmm. similarly goes for amazon do you want them to perpetually suck you <laughs> <laughs> or or you want or you want to pay for a company for mm-hmm. all their services that there is Mm-hmm. so the reason apple wouldn't make money off home pod mm-hmm. is because they don't have any system around it to make money off it mm-hmm. see on iphone you have icloud you have music apps and everything so if mm-hmm. you have music home pod will work mm-hmm. but because you have a home pod you might not buy apple music mm-hmm. you had that first mm-hmm. and they 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 don't allow spotify and all so Um, really you can't play spotify i think so yeah i don't own one but i have heard that you can't play all uh, it is not directly connected so you can't ask siri to play you something i guess oh okay, okay. so it's not like alexa uh, it's not like alexa mm-hmm. or google home for that matter okay or it may be i i might have been mistaken but as far as i know they have very close system and home pod is the only product mm-hmm. that they don't have recurring revenues around so you will see that they are priced thrice Mm. comparatively to these products because they are not going to make any money off it ever mm. at least for the foreseeable future because they don't want you to make such transaction or listen to your data mm. that's not the that's not the business that they are in so you okay. decide when mm. you're buying a product it can either perpetually suck you mm. in terms of either data or pain or time mm. or you can buy a really good product just once for your life and experience how it makes you feel mm. and especially in case of switchboards right you 
anyways are going to live it for 10 20 years you can always change your search engine but you can't change mm. your switch boards Very so we are we are getting home products a different mm. limelight mm. like i hate the way tube lights look i hate the way bulbs look mm. nothing has changed to be honest so yeah. there needs to be a shake up or shaking up of the industry mm. so that everyone wakes up and says oh we have to work hard now mm. we just don't have to change colors over and over again and keep shipping the products mm. so that's that's where we are coming from very interesting i have so many questions but uh, how much more time do you have no i have so today i've already blocked okay we'll go for a little longer um <clears throat> I want to touch up upon this, right? Why is it that actually no, I've already gone through that. What else do I have? Yeah. So, um, your coming back to three D printing, mm-hmm. right? So, is three D printing a business to business industry, or is it a business to consumer industry? Okay. Um. Like I'm not so sure, but have you learned about three D printing in general? Like how is how it started? I haven't learned how it started, but I've just briefly read up upon it. Okay. Like the market value, what have the the advancements been? You have a lot of information on your website as well. Yes. Right about the different types of three D printing. Yes. yes. Uh, the different materials that are used. Um, but my 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 question was that, let's say your next home, right? This is a business to consumer industry. From what I understand, like yes. you were selling it directly to the consumer. Yes. But three D printing seems to be a business to business industry, right? You're not selling to the direct consumer per se, but you're selling it to let's say someone who's prototyping another product, right. or you know, you're selling it to companies like you mentioned, Audi or or all of those other places, right? right? What difference have you noticed from interacting with oh, the okay. end consumer and interacting with like the business one business. step before who then interacts with yeah. the consumer? I'll tell you. I have a very crisp answer to this, actually. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, in general, B two B models are a bit more sophisticated mm. in their understanding of what problem is. Okay. They know exactly what problem they want to solve, mm. and they rarely care about the aesthetical value of the product. For example, let's say that I have a machine which runs twenty four seven, and mm. in between it has to close for every one hour. Mm. It is a machine in my industry. Mm. Okay, so as a next home, I can build a very cheap looking plastic product that can go between the machine and the plug. Mm. Okay, for very cheap, and I can program it with the cheapest processor ever mm. to do that one task on and off, on and off, because that is what they want. Mm. Okay, so businesses have a very clear understanding of the problem as well as the solution, mm. and they exactly know what they want, and they are rarely blinded by the product quality, as in the aesthetical value or the thoughtfulness of the product, mm. because it is usually two to three points that they want to, uh, they want your product to work on. Mm. So it would be turn off my devices on time, mm. always be connected. Mm. and tell me the energy consumption data that's it mm. 
they don't care about anything else whether it works with alexa whether it has the capability to secure everything mm-hmm. whether somebody will steal my data or not they don't have these issues per se mm-hmm. when you come to a b2c market right they have a very broken understanding of what the problem is mm-hmm. because sometimes they don't even know what the problem is mm-hmm. right so as a entrepreneur you have to understand where the problem might be mm-hmm. okay and then craft a problem and solution mm. and then present it to the customers mm. then they will tell you whether it is you know it is it has made my life better or not mm. that is the fundamental difference between these two businesses okay customers care very deeply even if they say they care very deeply about the aesthetical value of the product mm. because if they didn't they would wear worst clothes ever but they don't mm. they choose everything thoughtfully it's just that sometimes they make these compromises mm. because of some situations mm. but they always know what a great value is what a great design is mm. businesses don't value that as of because the problem has to be solved not mm. in a beautiful way mm. so they focus more on the functionality mm. so when it comes to mechanical right they have a clear understanding this is the part these are 20 50 parts that you want to get manufactured two things tell us the time it should be within 7 days second mm. we won't we won't compromise on the quality at all mm. if we are telling you this is the material we want this is the properties we want this is what we want mm. now you deliver it with the most expensive person or the cheapest delivery partner or you make the unboxing experience blazingly well it doesn't matter mm. they will open it up like a like how you how a doctor opens a a patient mm. very quickly and they just open everything up and then they'll see whether the parts are good or not mm. in next home's experience what you've realized is people love unboxing experiences even mm. if it is a switchboard Mm. and they're looking for something that adds value to their whole product experience. Mm. So as a product company which is for consumers you have to think on every single level out there. Mm. But when it comes to B2B you you're usually not that focused. And when I say B2B it also includes B2P which is business to professional. So if I'm making a hammer right mm. I don't want it to look good. because it won't go into the hands mm-hmm. where it has to look good it has to mm-hmm. do its job mm-hmm. but whereas if i'm making a scissor for home mm-hmm. specifically for home like say the bonsai scissors mm-hmm. they not only have to cut well they have to look really good so mm-hmm. that you can put them as a showcase on your product like you know this is how great it looks mm-hmm. so that's i would say the fundamental differences between b2b and b that's why b2b startups are most successful mm. because they can tell you get me this if you mm. get me this i give you this mm. on consumers you have to reiterate keep reiterating over and over again to understand what they actually want mm. which is a much more fun process but it's very tiring sometimes and for not for all but for some people it is very rewarding but for most it ends up in a very bad dumpster mm. b2c b2c because they don't like how would you manufacture a great looking product without having too much of money at your disposal mm. 3d printing can't do that so 
and if they can do it they can't do it at cost like at, at a really good cost so consumers are price savvy mm. design savvy mm. feature savvy benefit savvy it's just that there are too many of them mm. so you can make money off that true but again there are always some people who would always appreciate great things so mm. you can't be the cheapest player and win like I honestly feel that because somebody would come and cut you under mm. so it's better that you make better things because the fight would be on caliber rather mm. than uh, cheapness mm. very interesting I, 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 I find very interesting your take on things because I feel like that's just the first time that I'm talking to someone who's that focused on um, the quality of things as opposed to uh, the financial aspect of it right because like growing up middle class in everything you see ki nahi 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 ye sasta mil jayega like that's that's the uh, kind of ingrained mentality I'll, right i'll i'll tell you something imagine that your podcast was was being heard by um, somebody who, who you really really respect mm-hmm. let's say if it is your father or some entrepreneur or somebody okay mm-hmm. wouldn't you want it to be the best podcast yeah. all the time yeah so what happened is some of our customers bought the product and he told me where he lived mm. and that was the most touchy period like the the most touchy period after i built the product the first version mm. uh he lived in mumbai central mm. in godala it was mm. overlooking the sea mm. and he wanted to put the product in his hall like living room Mm. and uh, at at that point i realized that the places where i couldn't go mm. myself my product is going my product is going and being highly appreciated mm. put it put it into a home like a jewel in their living room mm. and that changes you on a very deep level because then you stop caring about whether you're going to make money or not mm. but you then start caring about how that particular piece is going to make you and your company look mm. and then if you if and if i take it further on if i ever give this product to my father right mm. without the name he mm. should be able to tell me that this is a good product like mm. somebody really designed it thoughtfully mm. because as i mentioned when you take great products in your hand you know something is great is just a inherent quality of humans so once you start realizing where you could be mm-hmm. imagining yourself where you could be mm-hmm. your outlook towards your work would change mm-hmm. if you could know that your your analysis your your report for the analysis that you did on some business is going to be read by the ceo of the company mm-hmm. you would check it 100 times before putting mm-hmm. it on the mail Yeah. and then check it 100 times more before sending before hitting the send button mm. so if you if you start thinking your your yourself as that person mm. you would not want to make mistakes mistakes not not mistakes you would definitely make mistakes but you would always want to put your best foot front mm. whatever that foot is mm. iterate enough times that you end up with something that you really feel is and we have iterated Perfect. sockets 3000 times just the socket 
3000 times yeah every little detail that has been that has went into that socket mm. has been iterated in total 3000 times wow. and we like i can't tell you because it will keep going on we'll keep making it better we'll keep because we know what the what the not start to that socket is mm. we are going to change how sockets look mm. we are going to change how dimmers look mm. because we feel that it is not the true expression of humanity to have these sort of ugly looking products living in your home for so long mm. just that i mean so some at least somebody has to do it i'm thinking i've got the opportunity to do it mm. with all the people that are in the team mm. we have got this opportunity to do this right mm. it's not an easy problem it's extremely hard but every time a, a, a consumer has looked at our product he's like what the heck is that mm. because he can't believe his eyes that a socket could be so good looking so so uh, this is this is where you know once you start realizing where your products would be could be mm. should be mm. you would retrospect everything introspect yourself as well mm. is this what i want to put out so you would be at your a game all the time it's like you're going for basketball right mm. sometimes you wouldn't want to play but imagine if uh, jordan was seeing you mm. from the stadium even if it is a small match you would give your heart out mm. because maybe he's you know he's the guy who you want to impress mm. so then you can't be the same person again but would like it seems wouldn't that be very exhausting all the time to, not not to, if you love your job if you love what you're doing mm. let's see it is very important because i'm telling you i had people who gave up in middle mm. okay and i had people who said you know let him go mm. he's stupid i'll do it mm. because he he could not be stopped mm. he's a he's uh, uh, so my my friend calls it this uh, force of nature mm. so there is shiva right mm. uh, there is something about shiva which is if he starts walking mm. he doesn't care where there is a tree mountain or anything lying in front of him mm. or in front of him he would just strike past it like literally go in through it mm. this is called as force of nature mm. so when you have the right people on team they become so many forces of nature on one task mm. even if i want to stop them they would argue and mm. they say keep why do we have to stop now this is going so good mm. so it's just that it's very hard to find these people Mm. extremely hard and these people don't like they really get exhausted and if they do it's your job to take them out on a really lavish resort or you know mm. chill out with them there's a tour right sometimes we play sometimes we order yeah. food mm. for everyone even to appreciate little things mm. so if you push out your first code mm. and this is the first time you have pushed out your code mm. we actually celebrate it with a lot of pizzas Mm. because this is a big moment we don't allow anyone to push code and if you have mm. that means you are a big deal so even after hiring we had to fire people mm. because they could not push code they could not meet the certain requirements of pushing the code 
Mm. By pushing the code means writing the code that well mm. that it can be pushed. it does get exhaustive but the key is to explore till mm. you find a point where you just don't want to stop mm. and that's the only key you have to find it it's very interesting very interesting so when you when you when you drink right when you drink alcohol and when you find somebody good to talk to mm. you don't realize but it has been a whole night and you have been talking to them yeah. because and you could you could argue that talking more than 1 hour is exhaustive mm. yeah when you're talking to somebody who's not capable of talking to you in the same tone or same manner or same mm. level of intellect mm. it definitely gets exhaustive yeah but some conversations just feel very natural mm. and i think see lot of things are overrated in life mm. and one of those i think is um exhaustiveness that you can you can be exhausted to the point that you break mm. i think you can always recover within some time and do that again it's like how can you stop playing something mm. you are made to play very interesting like a lot to think about just from this conversation very interesting okay i would like to end it here sure man because i feel like